Thank you for joining us for Dwelling Place Lithia Podcast. We hope this message will help you find your identity in Christ and create growth in your life. We hope you enjoy this message. How many liked hearing the cello up there today? My wife is going to hurt me for that. Um, <laughs> so... You know, it's amazing what God does sometimes. There's a, such a sweet spirit in here today. And as far as our, our sound, nothing was working. So if you heard the very beginning where it was kind of nothing was working, but God works things out, right? Amen. Um, we, uh, we can go ahead and have, actually, we'll, if I can have a couple guys up, we're going to do tithes and offering. Um, announcements uh sean this week wednesday youth all right yeah this this week wednesday we're going to be having youth at eight o'clock Seven thirty. Seven thirty. so uh if you have youth or if you have anybody around you that is you see teenagers just kind of mulling the streets and throwing rocks at stuff pick them up bring them over here let us teach them not to throw rocks um but so uh we had a wonderful day yesterday of, of ministry, a great outreach day, a long outreach day, but we were able to really minister to a lot of people, so it's always a good thing. Um, thank you for everybody who was a part of that. Thank you for everybody who um, gives to this ministry so that we can do things like this. Uh, so next, uh, Feeding the Homeless is third Tuesday of this month. We'll, we'll post it on the app. But uh, if you are interested in that, please see Mandy. Um, the second Saturday of every month, we have our, uh, our outreach for the, the mobile food pantry. This Thursday, men's ministry, we had our kickoff last week, and uh, it was really good. Uh, we're just getting started with this. I'm, I'm excited to see where this takes it. Thank you, Paul, for stepping up and leading that. And uh, anyway, we're going to do tithes and offerings. Um, God, we thank you that you gave us, you give us options to serve you and options to praise you. And we know that opening up our finances to you, God, is just another way that we're saying that there's nothing off limits for you, God. Um, and uh, God, I pray that every, every seed that is sown is a life changed, that, that you, will, you will take these funds that are put into this place and that lives will be changed because of it. God will continue to see more and more people come to you and more and more people blessed and ministered too. And God, I just thank you for every gift. I pray that you bless the gift and the giver in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Kids, do y'all want to go to children's church today? No? (laughs) My kids mess with me. All right, we are being, you're being released for Children's Church. Uh, kids, follow Miss Kippy and uh, Mr. Mike. And uh, I turned on the heat back there this morning because it was really cold in there. Uh, it's on 68. I don't know if it's still needed or not. Okay. It's our, our Florida winters. All right, so we are continuing our... Um, we're continuing our series on encountering Jesus. 
and it's the series we're talking about people who have met Jesus in the Bible, and and uh, I'm going to do a, a very short introduction to this, and then we are going to um, uh, we're going to have our questions at the table. So we do things a little bit differently. We've been doing this for a few weeks now, and one of the things that we're going for is that we have real unity in the body of Christ. And in order for us to do that, uh, we want everybody here to have a voice. So um, uh, we'll pass out the questions in just a little bit. But for right now, I want to I want you to turn to Luke chapter twenty three. We're going to start in verse thirty nine. Uh, encountering Jesus is is it's a series about people who who encountered Jesus in the Bible. So this is the story, as we're getting to closer and closer to Easter, today is Palm Sunday, as we're getting closer and closer to Easter, we're going to, I'm looking at the, the life of Jesus and the things that happened around his crucifixion, and one of the stories I don't hear a lot of is about the two people who were crucified next to Jesus. So it's a very short section in the Bible, and to get a whole lot of it, you have to you have to look at it in different ways. So the very first thing we're going to do is we're just going to read it. In verse 39, it says, One of the criminals who were hanged rallied at him or railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do, not fe- do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving our due reward for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So I want you all to, I want you all to, to do this with me. Um, I want you to put yourself in that situation and really think about this. I've always heard it. Heard it taught that you have one guy that's mocking Jesus when he said, aren't you the son of God? Aren't you the king of the Jews? Aren't you this? Aren't you that? Come off the cross and save yourself and save us. Like he was mocking him. But I want you to really think about this. This guy was in the process of being crucified himself. How many have ever been in pain before? You ever hurt yourself? Have you ever been in pain and so much pain that you looked at the person next to you and started making fun of them. I've made fun of myself before because I did that to myself. But think about this. This guy is dying. He has no hope to get off of that cross. He has no hope. So he's looking to Jesus and saying, Aren't you this guy that everybody, you're saying you're God, you're saying you're God's son. Isn't this you? If it's you, man, get off the cross. Save us too. Take me with you. The other guy then looks over at him and says, man, don't don't you have any respect for God? Do you know who you're not, don't you know who you're talking to? The whole situation was made much worse, according to the, the, the unrepentant criminal. It was made much worse by Jesus being there, because not only was it an embarrassing thing. See, back then they said if you hung on a tree, that you were cursed. 
So not only was it embarrassing, but Jesus being there caused extra attention. There were more people there. There were people that were mocking Jesus. There were people that were there as spectators. There were people that were there that were, um, the women were there right around the cross because it wasn't as dangerous for them to follow Jesus. They were there right around the cross. So there were, there were people that were all over the place that were there because Jesus was there. And they were also spectating at the two that were beside him, watching them die slowly. This was not a good experience, and it definitely wasn't an experience where he's going to start pulling jokes out and start making fun of the guy next to him. So this guy was crying out to Jesus. Both of them were. One, in, one out of self-perseverance and one looking just to Jesus. We have to look at the way that we approach Christ. A lot of times we approach Christ in that way. We're approaching Christ out of what he can do for us versus just who he is. You've got one criminal on one side that is saying, Jesus, save me, but he's asking him to save him for this life. You've got another guy on the other side that is saying, Jesus, just remember me because I know who you are. And I just want to be with you. There's all kind of ways for us to call out to Christ. And how we call out to Christ says a lot more about our motives than what we think about Christ. We can think that Christ is this great and wonderful thing, this great and wonderful person who can make all these things change. And it's almost like we got him in our pocket. I got a bad situation, here's Christ. I got something I can't control, let me put some Christ on it. Maybe he's like seasoning for our food. This situation, I'll put a little bit of Christ on it. But you see, whenever somebody came to Jesus in the Bible, whenever they were trying to come to him and they asked him how he can follow him, his answer was always the same, is that you give up everything and you come follow me. Now, Jesus had all kind of parables, but one that really reminds me in this situation is his parable about the workers in the field where the, the people who came and worked last only worked just, just a little bit, but they got paid the same as the ones who've been there all day. This was Jesus' last companion before he died. His last companion was a criminal. Think about that. The king of kings and lord of lords, the last person to talk to him, the last person that came into communion with him, his last new friend, was a criminal on a cross. If you could, uh, I want you to turn to Psalm 42 with me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go here real quick. A lot of times the situation that we are in will change how we relate to Christ. And we got to be, we've got to, when you give your life to somebody, you don't give your life for a moment. You don't give your life for an idea. 
but you just give your life. Psalm 42, we always hear as a as something that's just a, a beautiful, oh, I love you kind of thing. Y'all remember the song? As the deer panteth for the water, so my, song, so my soul longs after you. If we read after that, David says, As the deer pants for the following stream, so my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? I'm just going to stop right there. David starts this out by saying, God, I love you. I, you know, my, my soul longs for you. And then he's got this, this going back and forth and says, my, my tears have been my drink. And, and, they, and they speak to me. My tears speak to me. And they say, where is your God? So this is where we are at that moment on the cross. We've got two different people. And David, David in, in the psalm, as he goes a little bit further, in verse 4, it says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead in the procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multiple, a multitude keeping festival. He's reminding himself of the good times that he had with God. He's reminding himself of the things that he's had, the, these times that, he, that he's been victorious with God because his tears and the things around him are trying to pull him away and trying to pull him to look at something else. But see, David had already given his life to Christ. David is a man after God's own heart. No matter where he looks, he sees Christ. And if we look at, he, he sees Christ, if he's not careful, he can blame Christ for the stuff that's going on in his life. But seeing Christ in everything is looking to him not only as our Savior, but as the one we gave our life to. Meaning that no matter what happens to me, I'm with him. I don't need to have sunny, sunny skies all the time. I am with him. Everything doesn't have to be going great for me to be a Christian. Everything ha doesn't have to go great for me to attribute my life to God. See, the, the, these men on the cross, you've got a guy, the repentant, the repentant uh, thief. It's, there's good reason for him to, to know why Jesus is there because of all the commotion that was going on. But you've got to understand, too, Jesus' ministry wasn't that long. And his whole life, he had heard all of the other things that the Jewish people had taught and about what the Messiah was supposed to look like. Everybody knew what the Messiah was supposed to look like, and everybody knew that the Messiah was supposed to come and conquer Rome. But when the Messiah didn't look to the Pharisees what he was supposed to look like, they killed him. They put him on a cross. 
But this guy, he has the same. He was, he was trained in the same way. He was looking for the same Messiah, but something was different. When he saw Jesus, things started to click because Jesus has something about him that changes your perception, changes what's going on, regardless of if you're hanging on a cross or not. So in his moment of hanging on a cross, he didn't ask Jesus, come get me off of this cross. But what he said is, just remember me. How many of us, if we were in that situation, which one of the thieves would we have been? Think about that. Think about how you relate to Christ. When you're in a bad situation, are you the one that says, just remember me? Or are you the one that says, hey, God, in here, you said this, 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 and this, and this. But I don't see nothing. My life's going real bad right now. And in your Bible, think about it. That was what the thief on one side, the one that we call the unrepentant thief, that was what he did. If you are who you say you are, get off the cross and save me too. And we look at the world around us, and we look at the situation we're in, and it's, it's easy to be self-focused. I've always heard, anybody here, whenever you were growing up, that like if you didn't eat your food, that there were kids starving in other places, and I want to tell you, I gorge myself for them starving kids. It's hard for us to imagine that. It's hard for us to imagine a life where you have to, where you don't know if you're going to live the next day. But it seems like in those situations where you have people that, like the underground church in China, where it could cost them their life to serve God. Their passion for God is something that is greater than ours. You see these uh, videos of these people that are crowded into these hot uh, areas. They're, no air conditioning. They're all sweating, and they're all just praising God. Thinking, man, if the AC goes out in my church, whoo. <laughs> I appreciate that. But we, we tend to get into a relationship with God and focus on what it means to us. Focus on what he does for us. That's what our relationship looks like. The church in America has come to a place where it's almost non-existent as far as affecting things. Like if you look in how the first church, the church in Acts, how they affected the world. Everywhere that they went, people were dying. Stephen was the first martyr. They hit him with rocks until he died, and people got saved. Paul was stoned. Peter was crucified. Jesus himself was crucified. Martyr after martyr. There was only one of the 12 disciples who wasn't killed, or who wasn't martyred. Only one. And it changed the world. 
they were under a persecution and it changed the world. But could you imagine if they approached Christianity the way that we did? Could you imagine Peter and Paul or Paul and Silas in jail? And instead of singing praise, they're sitting there praying. They're like, God, why are you letting this happen? We're just trying to preach the word and these people are being mean to us. It sounds funny, but that's what we would do, right? I mean, honestly, God, we're just trying to love on you. We're just trying to preach your word, and all these people are talking bad about us. They're not liking our posts on Facebook, and they're saying that we're heretics. So instead of us just giving our life to Christ because he deserves us to give our lives to him, we adopt a a type of Christianity that was never, it doesn't look like following anybody except ourselves. I'm going to give you some examples. And uh, I know this is on Facebook. This is going to make some people mad. Is it okay if I make people mad this morning? You know, I, I don't look at Facebook in mainly because it is, uh, it, it's bad for my mental health. <laughs> But I want to tell you something. There's a there's a huge uproar, and I, they were talking about it at work, and I've heard all kind of other people talking about it, this huge uproar about this Disney thing going on. And they're upset because the the upper uh, people over in Disney they had this meeting, a secret meeting, and it got leaked out, and they were talking about their agenda. You got all these people that are all these Christians wanting to jump on this bandwagon where they're canceling their Disney Plus subscription. And, and if God's leading you to cancel whatever, I, I can tell you Jesus wouldn't watch Disney Plus. He also wouldn't watch Netflix. <laughs> he's he's not going to sit there and watch TV a whole lot at all. But I, I'm I'm here to tell you, like last year, so uh, but we canceled a long time ago. But it was just our thing. That was that was we just felt like we needed to, but. Last year, um, we had it, and there was a whole month where all they had like there was a whole banner that was across there, and you could go through any of these kids' movies that talked about uh, promoting uh, all kind of gay and uh, sexuality stuff and everything like that. A whole line of stuff. You just now figured out what their agenda is. I mean, somebody needs to be real about this. The cross was never put up so we could perch ourselves on it and cast stones at other people. It just wasn't. How you approach somebody whenever Jesus is in your life is not to point things out at them and start casting stones. If God is taking things away from you, if he is motivating you, and, and I'm a firm believer that the closer you get to Christ, the more things are taken, taken out of your life because they don't matter to you anymore. But I can tell you, like, me and my wife, we, we had a talk about this because one of the things, our kids love to go to Disney, and we're like, how do we do this? How do we do this going forward? And we said, you know what? We're going to approach it like a ministry, like Jesus would. We're going to pray every day. Every time we go there, we're going to ask God, give me somebody to minister to. Give me a group of people that we can lead to the Lord. And we're not going to count it as a successful Disney trip unless we are able to pray with somebody or minister to them in some way, shape, or form. What would Jesus do? Do you think Jesus boycotted? Do you think, he, first of all, do you think he liked the fact that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute? Do you think he liked the fact that Zacchaeus 
was a thief. He didn't like any of that stuff. But light dispels darkness. And if we want to live in a world that is light, we have to do something about the darkness around us. Not go over there and point at it and say, this is dark. Don't go over there. Let's keep our light over here in this light place and let that darkness over there be in that dark place and act like that darkness is going to mess up my light. It's not going to do it. It, doesn't, it is. It's not going to do it. That darkness is not going to mess up my light. My light will mess up that darkness, though. Amen. But it's time we act like we've got the light. We have to get a passion for God like David had in Psalm, like the guy that was next to Jesus on the cross when he said, just remember me. I don't need anything. God, I'm not coming to you so you make me feel good. I'm not coming to you so that all of my problems go away. I am coming to you because I want to be more like you. I want to look like you. I want to talk like you. I want to think like you. And I want the world around me to be different because I walked into that place. And when I walk in somewhere, you walk in somewhere. I carry your spirit. And I'm tired of darkness trying to affect my light. I'm tired of it. It doesn't work that way. Physics don't work that way. Darkness doesn't affect light. Light affects darkness. And it's immediate. My light's got to shine brighter. But I need to look at my motives and why I'm coming to Christ. I'm not coming to Christ because I want more money in my bank. I'm not coming to Christ because I want things to feel better in my life. I'm coming to Christ saying, if my situation does not change, I still come to you because you are the way, the truth, and the life. And that's it. The man that was next to Jesus on the cross, he still died. He still died. Whether he said that to Jesus or not, he would, have, he would have had the same death. But how many know that when he closed his eyes and he opened them back up again, when he went to the other side, he was with Jesus in paradise. He was with Jesus in paradise. We've got to be careful with that, too, because our goal, Jesus put you here for a reason. He's not your exit strategy. He's not your retirement plan. Jesus has things for you to do today. He's got people for you to affect today. And if we lose sight of that, we lose sight of why we're here and the mission God has before us. And we start being more me-centered than God-centered. And we have to be God-centered in everything that we do. We have to face every day with a mission, looking and saying, today, God, this is your day. Whatever you need me to do, the people you put in my way, they're going to know that they have been affected by someone who is full of the Holy Spirit. And I don't care if I get a flat tire. I don't care if I get stuck in traffic, if I'm late for work, if I get fired, if I lose everything that I have, if I get thrown in jail, I'm still going to sing your praises. Amen? Let's pray. God. We hope you enjoyed this message. If so, please share it. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at dwellingplacelithia.org forward slash donate. We'll see you next week, and may God bless you and your family.